You are listening to the Elseworld Citizen Podcast. Music provided by YouTube and its affiliates. The Elseworld Citizen Podcast is made possible thanks to listeners like you. If you'd like to continue to show support, follow us on Instagram at Elseworld Citizen and on Twitter at Elseworld Civ. If you are so kind, you can even contribute to the show by following the link in the show notes or the support link on the Anchor app. The views expressed in the interviews and commentary of this podcast are solely those of the individuals providing them and do not reflect the opinions of any comic book publishers, its parent affiliates, or subsidiary companies. We thank you again for your support, and we hope you enjoy the show. This is the Elseworld Lounge. And if you're a little confused as to what that is, well, it's a new show that I came up with a spur of the moment after uh, episode one dropped. I realized as I was coming up, I was saying, you know, yeah, I only want one episode per week for the main show. Uh, That way I can tweak it, edit it, make sure it flows the right way and make sure I'm providing an entertaining show for you all. And I realized it's a little unfair of me to limit the show so much because many of you probably have a busy start to your weeks. Mondays aren't always the best time to listen. And I figured we should have a weekend edition to the show as well. One that's a little uh, less scripted, not as much featured around anything, just kind of me here talking to you. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming books that I'm going to be reading uh, or and uh, talking to you guys about. Um, we've got some fun ones coming up. Uh, tomorrow is uh, the first Elseworld Citizen comic book character spotlight, which will be on The Question by Steve Ditko. Cannot wait to share that with you guys. It's He's such a fun character, and I love him to death. Uh, he's, he's so, so awesome. Um, and then the following Monday, so not this Monday, but next Monday, uh, we're going to be talking about Marvels by Kurt Busiek and uh, Alex Ross, uh, which was published in 1994. This is not the continuation. This is the original Marvels, uh, and it is w- becoming one of my favorite Marvel comics now, too. Um, it it just—I I love Alex Ross. If you don't know Alex Ross, he did uh, Justice League Kingdom Come. Um, he also did uh, a few of the— um, prequels and continuations of Kingdom Come. Uh, he's he. You can recognize his art right away. He does he, his his shading and his shadows uh, when he that he puts on his characters are so realistic, um, so well done. Beautiful artwork, probably the most realistic, like almost photo realistic character designs um, out of any uh, currently in modern comics. Um, so that's Monday, and then we've got our first book. So episode four, so Marvels is episode three, um, and episode four is going to be Children of Blood and Bone uh, by Tommy Adiemi, uh, which is a newer uh, young adult uh, novel that recently came out within the last two years. Um, it was actually recommended to me by my girlfriend, 
Um, and she said, you're going to love it. You really should give it a try. And so I bought a digital comic. I bought a Kindle version. And I absolutely fell in love with the book. It's very good. I uh, can't wait to share that with one with you guys. Um, and then we've got, you know, another character spotlight, a bunch of character spotlights, like with She-Hulk. Um, I think I might do even, I'd do a Green Goblin uh, character study. It's um, There's a lot coming up, and I'm really excited for it. Um, and one that I'm really excited for that's r- way down the line is Stuffed the Comic, uh, the official book, book one. Um, I can't wait to talk with you guys about that. Stuff the Comic is a... It started out as a digital comic, uh, kind of the, and it's it's the amalgamation of like the, a true inspiration from the Peanuts comics, um, Calvin and Hobbes comics, and those those classic Saturday morning comics. It's so much fun. It's about this little girl and her mythological stuffed animals, and all the stuffed animals, kind of like in Toy Story, they all have their own uh, personalities and opinions and conversations. Um, they can't move around or interact, but they are self-conscious of the world they live in. And it's just so much fun. So funny. Uh, there's a dragon and a unicorn who are kind of like the, our two main protagonists of the book. And then you have, you have a manticore, you have a yeti, you have, um, you have like a megalodon shark. Uh, there's a bunch of characters and there's so much, um, so much fun. It's such a fun comic. So much witty banter and really great um, use of the English language. Like lots of heavy, there's some heavy vocabulary that's used. Um, and it's just, it's so well thought out. So, such great humor. There's humor there for the kids and there's humor there for adults. It's, it's great. If you seek out Stuff the Comic, you won't be disappointed. They publish almost week, I think it's weekly or by um, every four or five days on Instagram. It's such a fun comic to follow. Um, I, my, we bought, uh, one, one of 300 issues that was published for book one. Can't wait for the second book to come out. Um, just really, really great. Um, and you know, I, I also wanted to make the lounge because I wanted to have time to talk with you guys about where I am in life and in art and where the, where the podcast is, because I won't lie, um, had a rough start to season three, had a bit of a rough start. Um, there's not a lot of us around anymore. Uh, we started out in the twenties range and we've dropped down to single digits for listeners. So, uh, it's frustrating, but I'm going to stick through it because I know that there are those of you out there on the Instagram page who kind of pick and choose what you want to listen to. And I don't blame you. Listen, we only have an, a finite amount of time uh, to listen to podcasts. Uh, believe me, I do the same thing. I maybe have four, five, maybe maybe five podcasts right now that I listen to uh, just because my commute's shorter now. I live closer to where I work. Um, and I have a lot more going on in my life. I'm in a relationship. You know, I have um, lots of things that go on outside of just work and outside of just commuting. Uh, several years ago, all I did was commute and work, and I filled all that time with podcasts. So, yeah, uh, don't have as much time. Right now, I'm kind of listening to Collider. I like listening to Collider. The Collider crew is great, really fun to listen to. Um, I uh, 
even though he's not on podcast, I listen to John Campia movie talk on YouTube. I just let it play in the background because I enjoy his his critiques of films. Um, I'm listening to the Wolverine podcast again um, because uh, season two is officially out uh, for Marvel's The Wolverine on, um, I believe it's on Stitcher. And what else am I listening to? Well, it's not coming to mind, but I'm sure I'll remember. Um, I also wanted to briefly uh, ask you guys what you thought about the news for Spider-Man. Um, I recently shared my thoughts with uh, my my buddy Kenny on the Kenny the Penny podcast. Um, that was about two weeks ago now. And the news is officially confirmed that Marvel and Sony will no longer be sharing rights for for Spider-Man. He'll no longer show up in any of the MC movies. And I personally think that it's a good thing. I think it's good that this happened. It was great while it lasted. Like, don't get me wrong. I didn't say I, you know, I enjoyed uh, Homecoming. I've enjoyed Far From Home. I enjoy um, Infinity War and Endgame and Civil War. I think all all those stories were great. But one thing I have been fearful of is that Disney will just automatically just buy up all Marvel properties and then we're only getting Marvel interpretations from one source, from one outlet. And to me, that's dangerous. Now, I know it's not the only thing. I know we've got um, Runaways uh, happening on a different form of uh, TV content, but there there needs to be competition and there needs to be different minds creating comic book interpreted content and while sony has had their flops and some successes i think it's important that sony continue to make spider-man films if not for one reason alone and that is to challenge disney to find a new spider-man because really for me one of the driving forces for several characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Peter Parker at a certain point. There, that was That's really the motivation for Tony when it comes to uh, Endgame. That was one of the biggest motivators for that character was bringing Peter back. And... A lot, and, and same for many characters. Like, his, his influence on those films is, is really strong. It is so prevalent and, or present, excuse me. It's so present, his influence on that story. And for me, while great, I feel like it was a sneaky play by both studios to try and get a little bit more money, you know, out of their films. And granted, that's fine. It's a business, you know, movie making is a business and we have to know that. And that's my second point is that these, this is a business. And if we want more content like Endgame, like Infinity War, like Spider-Man, like X-Men, I mean, we we can't be gung-ho to just have everything under the same roof. Disney can't can't just be the sole Marvel creating force because once that happens, we're getting no matter no matter how many different people work on a film, there's this broad stroke when it comes to the look of the films, the content of the films, the humor, and the strategy behind them that really, truly makes it all feel flat. Like, the drama's there, yes, but 
my one of my biggest concerns, having now watched so much of Phase 3, I guess it would be, so much of Phase 3, it all looked the same. The cinematography, like, no one was pushing anything. No one was trying anything different. Nothing looked different to me. And it was the same thing, like, I think it's the same reason why we have such a gripe with Batman v Superman and Justice League. It was... It was all painted with the same broad stroke. And story-wise, there was a lot butchered around with Justice League, okay? And I get that, I do. But when you think about it from Marvel's perspective, you know, when you look at Phase 1 and Phase 2, like, there were differences in the films. Like, different cinematographers gave different choices and different ideas. And then Guardians of the Galaxy came out. And all of a sudden... Adjusting my seat here. And then all of a sudden, everything looked like Guardians. The colors, the the cosmic side of it all looked the same. And I understand that there was a strategy behind it and there's a purpose to that. But at the same time, for me, the biggest concern is if if visually, all of a sudden now we're saying, okay, these all, all these films, all this content, it's all going to look like this. Just this palette. That we're gonna use this palette choice of colors for how we cinematically shoot all of our content now. The problem is, is that when you okay say okay to that, right? And we buy into the the cinematic look of what we want from the Marvel movies, then all of a sudden we're just gonna have I mean, it, it's just even the story arcs, the story elements. All right, you guys like the color look of that? Well, we're gonna, you know. We're going to have the same writers now for everything. Well, let's have the same director now for this and the same director for this. Uh, it's all like, 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 for instance, I loved Taika's uh, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok is one of my favorite Marvel films to this day. Um, and I love, I love that story. But don't get me wrong. When I look at that film, when I look at the color choices, all I see is Guardians. All I see is Guardians of the Galaxy. And while, you know, I, I, I get it. You could have the argument of saying, well, you know, the whole universe needs to tie together in that way. That's how the cosmos is. Yeah. But at the same time, the cosmos can look differently. Things can be different. Like, just because one side of the universe looks inherently really purple doesn't mean that all of a sudden now we got to really pump the saturation for every other planet. You know? Uh, it's just it's just something about the style of those films that worries me. Because if we're, if we're so easily won over with that, soon, soon the creative control is going to be whittled down so much that it'll be like... Uh, It'll be kind of like Supergirl. Like when, if you ever listen to um, Kevin Smith talk about his role on uh, Supergirl, everything's done for him by the time he shows up on set. The, um, you know, the 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 suit choices, a lot of the color options, the characters that are supposed to show up in the episode. He's kind of given all the blueprints, and then they say, "Here, you have to work within this specific line of story arc." And he's fine with that. He's okay with that. It lets him play in the sandbox that he's always dreamed of. But for me, 
that's TV. When it comes to films, there just there needs to be a, a little more chance. There needs to be a little more risk taken because if we keep going down the path we are, we may even get bored of the Marvel films. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm getting bored of it. I think all the story arcs up until this point, up to Far From Home, have been great. And I think there have been some unique choices made in Far From Home that are very unique. Um, but I'm, I'm concerned for the cinematic future of Marvel. And I hope when we do get X-Men, which will probably be five years from now, but when we finally get X-Men again, I hope to God that it is not full of the jokey nature that Avengers was and that Guardians was before that. It needs it needs a new feel. It needs a new theme. It needs a new style that we haven't seen before. Because we've had so much X-Men content from Fox. And now that Disney has it, I'm hoping for a new interpretation, but I'm hoping it's not the same Marvel strategy. I hope it's something new. I hope it's something different. I do. Um, Let's uh, let's change themes here. I want to talk a little bit about my life um, because I don't really get to do that a lot, um, and I kind of want to share some stuff with you guys. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I live in Florida, and I am a producer, pro- uh, production coordinator slash PA for in film and TV. Um, I've been fortunate enough that I've. Uh, gotten the chance to work on America's Got Talent. I've worked on Britain's Got Talent. Um, I've done some corporate stuff in and out. And before that, I worked in PR and ad and sales. Um, I I, w- I worked a little bit for Give Kids the World. Um, I did some ad work. And my my passion is storytelling, but one of my hobbies is uh, uh, anim- uh, love watching animation. One of my loves, my absolute loves of life, or obsessions, maybe you should say, I I, I should say, is uh, is animation. I absolutely love the art form of animation. I love watching animated films, animated TV shows. I love it. Absolutely love it. I think animation is a great platform for for true creativity, because in animation, at least, what you write on the script can come to life on the screen. With live action, it's a lot more challenging. You really got to write to your budget. You got to stick, like when you write a script and you pitch it for live action, there's going to be a lot of pull and like give and take when it comes to what you can or cannot do depending on your budget. And of course, depending on what the studio is willing to do. But when it comes to animation, especially hand-drawn animation, the, the skies are the limit. Time, of course, becomes longer. It takes longer to make, but the sky's the limit. You can make it as crazy and wacky as as you can as you can while of course still making a good story but the the limitations are really taken off. Um that's why I love the DC comic book animated stuff. It's just it's great. It's great interpretations. Um and I love a lot of Dreamworks content. The Dreamworks content that's coming out on Netflix recently has been phenomenal. I absolutely love it. I loved Voltron. Um, I liked She-Ra, actually. She-Ra season one, I was like, oh, this is, they're really playing to the younger audience. And then season two was like, okay, 
you're winning me, winning me over, getting a little better. Then season three happens, and I'm like, holy cow, where was this in seasons one and two? Like, how do I describe it best? Like, at least, like, you know, like with Avatar, like with the Avatar shows, the original Avatar series was good, consistent throughout. Theme, like, got dark in some points, got lighter in others. Great. Avatar Korra matured correctly over the four seasons that they had for Korra. The maturity of the characters fit. It worked. I understood where each character was going. I understood where the world was going, and it made sense. Shira, on the other hand, like seasons one and two, feel like pandering. Like it feel like I I could see what the creators wanted to do, and then I literally like by the last ten minutes of each episode, I could literally feel the creative control get pulled back. I could see them wanting characters to make certain decisions, and then quickly pulling back going ah, it's a kid kid show kid show we need to censor censor or we need to we need to make the the motivations as black and white as we can and then in season three it it felt like a whole different show and maybe it's because of the what they needed to get through in the first two seasons but this season this current season of shira blew me away it absolutely blew me away. It was so powerful. And the the character development that happens in, in this season blows me away from what they what they were trying to do in season one. Like it is night and day difference. And it's so well done. So well done. I and I implore anyone who tried to get into Shira and then bailed because of the the way the content was developed for season one. Listen, guys, just Ignore it, like fight through season one and get on to season two. You will be so much happier. You will love the characters and you will love the character choices that happen. And man, oh man, Catra, baby, Catra team. I mean, I, I knew people were like really enjoying Catra as a character. And and the first two seasons, let me, let me, let me say this too. There's a whole lot of, there's a, uh, a definite clear argument for why Katra really should be the protagonist of the show. There was a whole, I, I was, I was 100% on Katra's side a lot more in seasons one and two than I was on, on, um, Adora's AKA She-Ra like night and day. I was like, Katra's the sympathetic one here. Like I'm, I want Katra to get what she wants. Like I want her to really find the light and find her way. Um, because I like, you could see it. You could see they were trying to shoehorn in the tragedy story, the way Kylo Ren's character is uh, in Star Wars, the way like Ray to Kylo Ren, that relationship is literally Adora and Catra. It 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 feels so similar because Adora is just so perfect. She gets she it gets her way every time. She's clearly the hero, and and Catra is just always so furious as to why. Everyone keeps turning her away. And and I kept saying, like, Katra really feels like a true protagonist in this in this story. And season three comes along, and then all of a sudden, finally, we finally start to see the psychiatric like the psychological break of Katra. We see her commanding respect. We see her commanding like her 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 subjugation of of the of the world of this world that uh they they live on and 
And then finally, we just see her break. Like, she gets what she wants. She wins. Like, her strategy does work. And she is a true dictator to a degree. She's manip- She's very manipulative. She's good at manipulating people. And she finally is able to, in a way, break time and reality. Um, and to a to a dangerous degree. And, of course, uh, Adora and her friends and She-Ra have to... Bind, you know, they have to really work to try and save the world, save reality. Um, but, but for me, it was just, it was shocking. So, how quickly, uh, Katra went from being, you know, I need to win, I need to do what's right, and I, I'm on the right side of this argument. It went from that to all of a sudden, screw it, I'm gonna break the plan, I'm gonna break the, everything, I'm gonna destroy everything to get what I want. Um, and it was an interesting turn. It was an interesting turn, a lot more mature than the prior, prior two seasons, but very exceptional, exceptional work. Uh, so kudos to, to everyone that worked on Shiva. Um, super excited for Kevin Smith's, uh, masters of the universe. Cannot wait for that. Um, yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been a good couple of months, you know, I'm enjoying animated shows. Um, and I think I might leave it at that. Um, I thank you guys for this first kind of test run for uh, Elseworld Lounge. I'm trying to push it towards like a half hour almost, uh, maybe a little under that, um, just to see if you guys are interested in longer form content, me rambling about my life, things like that. A little less, uh, less formal than the regular show and kind of just talking what I want to talk about. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you. For, I hope you guys stuck around. If not, catch me uh, back on the lounge uh, next week. I'll try and make sure I keep it to a solid 25 minutes. And as always, support me on social media, guys. Thank you to the 85 of you that follow me on Instagram. I really do appreciate it. You guys are the best. And I will see you all tomorrow for the question. Have a good one, guys. You've been listening to the Elseworld Citizen Podcast, music provided by YouTube and its affiliates. The Elseworld Citizen Podcast is made possible thanks to listeners like you. If you'd like to continue to show support, follow us on Instagram at Elseworld Citizen and on Twitter at Elseworld Civ. If you are so kind, you can even contribute to the show by following the link in the show notes or the support link on the Anchor app. The views expressed in the interviews and commentary of this podcast are solely those of the individuals providing them and do not reflect the opinions of any comic book publishers, its parent affiliates, or subsidiary companies. Thank you again, and we hope you've enjoyed the show.